Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about the five-out offense that the Dallas Mavericks and the Houston Rockets are running. Are post-ups any good? And how would you manage minutes for the Milwaukee Bucks heading into the playoffs? Welcome to the Back to Back Pod on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel and Seth Partnow. Are you ready to be entertained? Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Nerder She Wrote on the Back to Back Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave DeFore, joined as always by Mo DeKeel and Seth Partnow. What's up, guys? You washing your hands regularly? I thought we all did that on a normal basis. I, you'd be surprised, man. People were disgusting. Actually, actually I, I, I'm, I'm not surprised. I've, I've seen enough people who... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll just leave it there. Yeah. (laughs) It's my PSA for this week is everybody, please wash your hands. Seth, are you ready for Sloan? It's funny. I have multiple travel-sized hand sanitizers ready to bring with. Even though it's uh, by Fiat, it is elbow bumps only. Uh, yeah, we're ready to go. So Seth, Seth and I are going to be at Sloan. We're going to we're going to be doing some special podcasts while we're out there that will drop sort of like we did with the all star stuff. But guys, I, I want to talk this week about five out offense, because currently the two best offenses in the league, the Dallas Mavericks and the Houston Rockets, are fully committed to five out in a way that we've never seen before in the NBA. You know, Mo, who hosts Brody and the Beard, our, our Houston Rockets podcast, probably has a lot to say about what the Rockets have done. Well, I mean, I've seen a, a ton of it from the Rockets. Like, it's been amazing. I also just kind of wanted to leave you hanging for a moment, Dave. I thought yeah, it was pretty yeah, funny. Yeah. As usual. Um, <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of my, my deal. Um, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, the fact of the matter is we kind of felt like the Rockets were trending this way anyways, right? Like, this kind of has felt like a long time coming like we finally got to the road that they've been searching for uh for a while and finally just said screw it we're gonna go all in on this it's the more surprising thing about this whole five out offense for the rockets is how it sort of has unleashed russell westbrook right yeah it's it's incredible he's playing i mean like we've talked about yeah i think he's playing his best basketball no yeah that's they've sort of as we talked about earlier a couple weeks ago they, they it's it's almost turned him into like the He's playing in a way like the center in a in a spread pick and roll offense, where he kind of gets the ball in the middle of the floor and and does things, um, and you know it, turning him into. We saw for the Warriors for a number of times, especially with the death lineup, how like giving Draymond the ball in sort of a half a half court fast break situation was pretty devastating. And then you, you know, you 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 okay, you take. It's not Draymond now; it's Russell Westbrook. It seems it seems like that's pretty good too. Uh, maybe even slightly better. I mean, it's just a big thing. He's just stopped shooting those threes, right? And like the the relentless attacks over and over again at the rim. It's it's just really been impressive. It's like just a a, a wave of just it's he keeps coming, he keeps coming, he keeps coming. Like he's shooting. Like there are a lot of games where he's getting more shots up than Harden, you know. And he and and because he's actually finishing at the rim, which is something that you know, he, he has struggled with in the past. Like it's, it's really kind of built up and pushed their offense up, uh, you know, it forces teams to react and then they're going to find their shooters on the weak side. Um, You know, w- when they were coming into the season and, and, you know, we were all skeptical of how it would work. And a lot of that is, you know, just looking at Russ's history as a player and, and, you know, um, not necessarily agreeing with like the decision-making right. And, and shooting too many threes and all this stuff. I said, if they would commit to using him, like a like a big to a certain degree where he you know 
gets the ball in his hands some as a pick and roll guy, but using him as a, a screener and a roll man, which we're not seeing a ton of right now because they, they've just got so much space. I think that might be the next level to this is, you know, unleashing him, you know, on some of these bigs that they're trying to guard him with out in space. Uh, but but they've done they've done this in a way that we've never seen Russ have. Like they're using him. We talk a lot about Giannis and shooters. Uh, man, imagine Ben Simmons with shooters. Uh, now we're finally actually seeing Russell Westbrook with shooters. This is the most shooting he's ever played with. And it's also he's starting with the ball, like because of the way that they're running their offense. He's he's not having to dribble down and then create. He's kind of catching the ball in the move on the move, kind of top of the key or or at the break line or something like that already on the move as opposed to okay first i got to beat this first guy and then figure something out it's like no i've already beaten the guy with my off the ball movement and now i'm kind of in space with space and and good things are going to happen yeah so i've got some numbers on on russ that i just pulled up uh in the last month since they've really committed to this he's shooting 53 percent from the field 37.5% 37.5% from three. He's not taking a lot of attempts, only 2.4. He's getting to the free throw line six times a game, which is elite. 32 points a game, seven rebounds, six assists. Pretty impressive given that he's playing with an, another high usage player. We're, we're focusing on the offensive side of it because it is so surprising. But the other aspect of it, and he's been phenomenal. And there's, I mean, let me ask you this question before I move on. Would Westbrook be in the MVP conversation if he did this from the beginning? They did this from the start of the year? Well, yeah, we looking you know, at him as an MVP guy. I'm not saying he's going to win it. I'm no. not. Bucks people need to relax. I'm just saying, would this be a guy we'd be like, damn, like that's a MVP caliber type season right well, there. Well, let's just. I mean, who would you like if you if there were, it was a two man race and it was Russ and and Harden? I, I'm, I I'd I, go Russ at this. I think I'm going Russ at this point too. After, over the whole season, I think you still have to go Harden. But like, if this had been the Westbrook they were getting, if they had. You know, if they had done the Capella trade, you know, preseason, and mm-hmm. they'd just been playing this way all year, um, then that then that becomes it. But we can't like memory hole those first, yeah, yeah. Those, You're those right. first two months when we when there was a little bit of is he done? Like not right. done, done, but like no, but, on, a, but, on, a, on a different part of his career. It was extremely clear that OKC had gotten the better end of that trade until like till they went know, till what, they went late small. December. So they said we're well, going to go micro yeah, I felt like very confident in that. Watching the Rockets has been a treat. Like I'm they're happy fun, to have been wrong. They're fun to watch. I I mean they've I always enjoyed them, but this has been a real fun to watch. Fun watch. I mean, just their game against Boston the other night, uh, in on on Saturday night was freaking awesome. Like that was just a fun game in general. Um, and you saw kind of their their offense being able to explode and get going and just kind of continue to put pressure on on the the uh the Celtics. But the big thing too about this team and this is this is the big thing about going five out or going as small as they're going is it's about rebounding. And 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 in most of these games they've been able to to keep the rebounding margin really close. Like usually it's like a, a one or two difference thing. Now, they lost to the Knicks and got completely crushed on the boards. But besides that, they've done a pretty damn good job overall with how well they've gang rebound. Where all five guys on the court all definitely crashed the defensive glass and always made sure they secured a rebound. Like that's been the most impressive thing to me about the Rockets run in this this like micro ball thing they're doing. I know we're talking five out offense, but and and you briefly talked about the defense and how how weird what they're doing is. Um, they have a top ten defense since January first. 
when you watch them defend when they're small, it is completely different. I mean, Robert Covington is just uh, at another level as a help defender. And P.J. Tucker, I mean, they're they're good on defense being smaller. I think it starts early. Like you're talking about like Covington as a help defender and kind of P.J. Tucker holding up inside. And those things are super important. But I think it's earlier than that. I mean, I think I watched kind of we rewatched the second half of the Boston game just to it because it, it, it felt in real time like they kind of wore Boston down physically. Part of that is, you know, the small team tends to get away with some liberties in terms of the physicality department. But also, Houston was making Boston work so hard just to enter the ball in their offense. Their pickup points, even on off missed shots, were way up the floor. They were forcing Boston's, you know, initiating catches to be at, at uh, you know, 27, 28 feet from the basket rather than at like 23 feet. And Mo, you, Mo and Dave, you can speak to this, I'm sure. But if you make a team run their offense from, you know, four or five feet further out, it just... It, it makes your defense so much more effective in terms of having more time to recover and, you know, shrinking the shrinking the angles that the, the offense has to, to make plays. Well, in the passing lanes, like they're they're easier to jump because the passes have to clear a little bit more like distance. And when you've got Russell Westbrook jumping passing lanes because he's playing like a little bit of free safety up there because they've got Covington and, and P.J. Tucker. I mean, I think they I think this defense is actually real is what I'm getting at. I think so. Like one thing, Seth, to kind of just go back to your point, like this is their plan defensively. Is like they want to uh, create turnovers. Like that's their goal, you know. And 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 with that lineup, is they're, they're they are going to pick you up further up and things because they want to speed you up as well. And they want to get they want to force those opportunities. And as Dave said, it creates those lanes where easier for these guys to jump. And you know, back to Covington. I mean, he's averaging like two point seven blocks right now since he's been traded. Like that's 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 some big man level blocks yeah. right there. I mean that's that's kind of been pretty amazing in in that sense, and I think that's how they've been, you know, but that's how their defense has been able to kind of force things to get going and and to pressure, and that allows them to get into transition and fly and move up and down the court and and get going in that sense. And that's kind of the the Rockets' mo right now. And then that five out attack, like you can't rest on defense. Period. Because the second you turn your back, that weak side guy in the corner is gonna is gonna cut back door, and they're throwing lobs all day. I mean, it, it is, you know, what we're seeing from Houston is just they're leaning into the thing that they were better at than than just about everybody, which is when they went small. I think they've given themselves a puncher's chance to actually, you know, make the finals. So let's take the let's take the flip side of that a little bit. I think we got a earlier today we got a question on Twitter about, you know, they 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 lost to the the to the Knicks uh uh not last night, two nights ago. And part of the reason is the Knicks kind of, you know, kind of crushed them inside a little bit. And the question is, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, is so is that like is that the way to beat them is staying big? I don't know if that is the way to beat them. That is if you look at their the, the games they've lost to kind of, you know, they they've lost recently, they've lost to Utah. And the other, their other two losses are to the Knicks and Suns. So their two losses to bad teams. Uh, they got crushed on the offensive boards and uh, fouled a lot. And those are like, if you want to talk about some things that might be characteristic of you know a team taking advantage of of you know interior size, it's it's those two things. And so yeah, I think they are vulnerable to that. Now whether or not that's something that can be 
you can do four times in seven in a playoff series, which teams are likely to do that? Um, obviously, you look at the Lakers and they seem reasonably well equipped to do that. The last time these two teams played, I mean, the the Rockets, they had one of their lowest foul rates of the season and and uh, and the perfectly solid defensive rebound rate. So the, the, the time they've played most recently, it didn't come to fruition that way. But I don't think that... It, that is determinative of how it would happen in a seven game series. But that's, yeah. that is something we, that we should, you know, note because I mean, that's you, you like, you can't, okay. You can't go around and through this perimeter defense super easily, but you can probably go over the top some, if you have the right personnel. I mean, it's, you know, the, the Laker game was almost immediately after the, the trade deadline. And so there was, I think there was just kind of an adjustment stuff. And I don't think the, I was at that game, and the Lakers just did a really bad job in how they tried to post up AD and LeBron. I think they've gotten better with their post-up games and how they get those guys' touches and and whatnot. And I think what you're going to find is teams that can attack them in the paint are really going to be the ones that, that can hurt them the most. And, you know, or if they have a better small ball lineup. Like, for me, I actually think they can give the Lakers more trouble than the Clippers in I a agree. playoff series. Because yeah, the Clippers just, have all those wings. Yeah, because the Clippers can go. The Clippers can go small, and I think they'll have a better five guys on the court than the than the the Rockets would. I think the the Lakers. It's a question. It's the the, the question if they play the Lakers in a, in a series would be, you know, whose style can win out. You know, can the Lakers get enough? You know, post possessions and attack the paint enough and stop the war the Rockets three point defense uh, three point shots because then it's just I mean I think that series is really a math question right it it becomes one yeah uh, just to pivot to the other team that that really has leaned in on five out is the Mavericks and they have you know the best offense in the league right now uh, uh, one sixteen offensive rating Kristaps um, Porzingis just had one of the best months of his career. And after the entire, you know, the dust up about post ups and, you know, all of this stuff, that's not a real argument among anyone that knows what what they're talking about. Uh, it's it's pretty incredible to watch what Porzingis is able to do once again with all of this space. How come every team in the league isn't going five out? Like, why isn't there a big pivot? Because there's not enough perimeter guys who can play that way on either end. Is the is the is the number one reason? You know, if you talk about the guys who are you know probably like small forwards who are best able to play up, starting with with Covington and, and PJ Tucker is not a is is are two of the better ones, two of the ones right. who are more equipped to to and and you know you look again you look at the 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 Clippers you talked about their small ball lineup. I mean, you know, uh, Kawhi is a small forward who you know is one of the strongest players in the league. Marcus Morris can play really big. Um, you know, Paul George has had you know some success playing up over the course of his career. So, um, it, it, if you have those players, if you have the big, the big athletic, versatile wing players, you can do that a little easier. And you know, Dallas they start with Luca. You know, let's see, he's their 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 point guard is is six eight two whatever. Um, so that that I think uh, has a big. That's a good starting point that 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 some teams have that others might not. Yeah, and it's a. I mean, it, it all just comes down to your personnel and what you have. I mean, if you have a a, a a stretch five that's you know like like Porzingis that that allows them to play five out as well and and still remain big and and still still be able to to maintain that offensive principle without giving too much up defensively. I think there's 
it's it's every team's different. And, you know, like if you're the Lakers, you're not playing five out. You know, LeBron's a beast in the post. AD's pretty good in the post. Like they get a lot of stuff out of those actions. And that actually leads to three pointers for them, you know, because everybody's got to come double. So I, I think it's it's every team's going to handle these things differently. And it, and it makes sense for the Mavs to do that because Porzingis isn't really a post-up guy and they don't have anybody. I mean, hell, their probably best post-up player is, is probably Luka. And, and, and I don't know. And they're not going to do that that often. Or Jalen Brunson. Oh, <laughs> uh, but you know, like every team is going to be a bit different in that sense. You know, when Portland gets Yusuf Nurkic back, like you want to give him a little more touches there. And in, in, in that sense, it's just a matter of, or I mean, shit, Philly can't do it. They don't, I mean, they don't have the shooting out there to, to be able to do it. And with Simmons and Embiid, and when they're fully healthy, it's, it's, it doesn't, it's not smart for them. I think it's, I think it kind of goes back to always our central point of like, you got to look at your roster and be like, what's the best f- offense or system for this team and for this current roster? And I think it ju- it just doesn't fit the case for every team. And it, and it, and you know, to be honest, I I don't know if I want to see every team play the same way all the way through. I don't if I if it just becomes a three point shootout, kind of sucks. Well, this is why everybody should be really pumped about what the Rockets are doing, you know, because. It is so completely different than everyone else. And I mean, I guess to a degree, the Mavericks, uh, even though their offenses aren't really that similar, um, they're at least starting from a similar place. So, okay, then let's talk about how you counteract the five out offense. Not not just like, you know, how you match up on the other end, but let's like, how do you defend five out? You know, obviously you need versatile defenders, but can a team like Utah that has a traditional, you know, drop back uh, rim protecting center, like how do they hang with these five out teams it's interesting i think like utah's in a tough spot because you know where where do you put gobert and if you if you put him on russ now you're giving russ a huge runway to really uh attack right like and and giving russ a full head of steam i mean try stopping a freight train like that's just not going to happen so i think that's what they've done and hasn't worked i think it's just a matter of where can you hide your guys like honestly i'd probably just be like I'm gonna put him on PJ Tucker, and and, and I'm gonna live with Ken Tucker beat us from three, four out of seven times. You know, can can he generate enough where he's gonna beat us on a regular basis every night? And 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 that's probably one way to do it. I, I think it just kind of comes down to your matchups and how you want to attack. But you know, the other thing too, Dave, is they've been there have been a few times where I've caught them even in this five out where they still have screwed up spacing. You know, like they like the for I've noticed they put three guys on on one side of the court. And I'm looking at it, and it's I've seen it in the Boston game. I saw it in the Knicks game. You know, it really just allows defenses to go, like, these guys are all occupying the same spot almost. Like, I'm able – you can send one guy to help in the paint and trust that those two guys can guard the first and second pass out of that, that attack, and then you hope you rotate by the time the third pass comes out. So I think it's an interesting thing, but I think it's a matter of – are you smart enough to recognize when their spacing's off and who can go and who can help and how can you rotate out of that? But I, it, it's going to give a lot of teams headaches. So I want to, I, I, over recent history, I kind of don't think Utah's problem with Houston has been defensively. Like, see that. Oh yeah. I, the, I tend to agree. The, the, the sort of anti Gobert narrative has, has always been, Oh, he gets played off the floor defensively. It's like, no, there are, what happens is there, there are offense craters. Yeah. And, and they lose games that way. That is more about again Houston's defense and their ability to to impact the ball, um, you know, high up the floor. And for a team that doesn't have a ton of like perimeter 
quickness and athleticism, um, you know, that that might be a problem. And so so on the other end, do you want to just try to hammer these guys inside? I mean, Mo, like, you know, I know we're going to talk about post ups in a minute. Uh, because you just did a nice deep dive on post-ups for uh, the future report. Yeah, I guess let's go into it. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, like, do you, Mo, if you're coaching a team that's playing the Rocket, do you want to try to hammer these guys inside, try to use your size advantage, wear them down, uh, you know, hoping that it will also have the effect of slowing down them, their offense? I mean, if I have a guy that can do that, like, here's the thing about Utah, right? Rudy Gobert is not a post-up player, right? Like, that that wouldn't work. I can't, If you just throw the ball constantly into the post, to Rudy Gobert for the Jazz, like that's actually a win for the Rockets because that's something he doesn't do, and that's that's a problem. And it goes back to that earlier point of you got to look at your system and look at your team and who can do what. Now, if you're the Lakers, that's damn sure how you got to uh, attack these guys, right? You got to put LeBron on the block. You got to put AD on the block and find those opportunities, force that double team because it goes to what Seth was saying, where it's like that create you know. Doing that kind of creates fouls, creates gets your gets you to the free throw line more and, and easier, and gets you in the bonus quicker, so you can get there and all of that stuff. So, I think that's kind of the way you got to do it. If you have that ability to to run a post up guy and 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 really attack those guys and hammer them for that, you I think that's the smartest way to do it. You know, because it's like you said, Dave. That's the, posting up is great offensively in the sense of like it helps your defense because it slows them down. It can help your defense. I think it, if it, if your things are happening well, like especially getting to the foul line, um, if if you know you're turning the ball over, trying to enter the ball, or you know your your big man is 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 shooting fadeaways or, or something like that, I think it probably almost plays into the Rockets' hands of wanting to inject some some tempo into the game because you know you don't have if you don't have that floor balance if you, you know you're you know, you you throw the ball into Gobert, and he takes it like a uh, like a twelve footer, twelve foot turnaround on the baseline. He's not in great like defensive floor bounce. So you, that that you know your 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 tactic of trying to you know wall off the paint uh, is suddenly you know impacted by the fact that your your you know your main cog in that is is ninety four feet from the basket. So uh, it, it is a little bit of a risk reward thing, but if you, especially if you're able to, you know, draw fouls, get offensive rebounds, do the kind of things that forces a team to play slower, then it then it, it it's something that helps you not just your offense, but makes your defense stouter as well. So who do we trust to do it? Who do we trust to post up, uh, score efficiently enough to make it worthwhile, but also you know be able to offensive rebound. I mean, are, so, are there five guys in the league? LeBron, yeah, I mean, was, Kawhi, Jokic in the Western Conference. That's that's where I am. You know, and then you have, you know, Brooke Lopez has done a great job. He actually leads, according to Synergy, the league in points per possession off of uh, post-ups, including passes. Because I, I also include the pass out as part of it, you know, and and he's the best at this point. And he's been great this season in the post and, and given the, the Bucks another uh, – gear to uh to go to uh and and if they need to find a little more offense elsewhere um Jokic DeMar DeRozan's actually been pretty good in the post this year for the the Spurs although it's not been a a great season for the team in general like there's a there's a few guys and then there are guys you know I absolutely don't trust you know that you can't really have um and we also forgot Joel Embiid who's I mean he's a the big thing about Joel Embiid is he draws fouls when he's in the post right because his passing is not where it 
Oh, no, he, he's got a long way to go in terms of passing out of double teams and and seeing that. But the one thing he does, man, I mean, he gets to the free throw line almost. I think the uh, the number I'm looking at is 24 percent of the time. Like that's pretty absurd. And, and, you know, the, drawing the fouls is great because it does it does a lot of things. You're putting pressure on the defense, you know, because you're putting them closer to the bonus or you're getting guys in foul trouble. It also steals a rest for your defense. You get to set your defense, and so. It's sort of, you know, it's almost a transition stopper, which is what, you know, Seth was getting at. Is not that, not almost. It, it is. I mean, it it's is. a transition. Yeah. I'm saying when you draw fouls, yeah. it is. Right. Yeah. So uh, it, it accomplishes a similar thing, you know, to to that counteracts what you were getting at with having Gobert under the rim on offense uh, where he can't get back to wall off the paint. So. Um, you know, drawing fouls is good offense, like great offense. Yeah, I mean, it's it's right. It was layups, free throws, and threes. Like that's the the holy trinity, right? In analytics. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> it's getting it's getting to the free throw line. I mean, that's that's, that's right. you know, it's it's the second most efficient shot. So you know, that's what you want. No, and that's and that's you know, sort of the in the this is the under one of the under discussed things because you know it suddenly analytics became shoot threes. It's like, no, the paint is still the most important thing, actually. Like, a dunk is still the best shot. Free throws are still the second best shot. Uh, getting offensive rebounds and getting fouled are still very good. Um, now, the the trade-off of the offensive rebound versus giving up transition, that's a whole other thing. But if you can sort of do both, that's... Uh, it, let me put it this way. Defensively, if you can keep the opponent from offensive rebounding, you've you've done a whale of a job. You know, you, it's a very helpful for your defense. Right, well, yeah. right, and it goes to our point about Russell Westbrook, you know, having one of his best seasons from an efficiency standpoint, and he's shooting, you know, very few threes compared to the, the, the rest of his career. It's all about, right. you know, it's, it's about replacing bad offense with good offense, and whatever that looks like, like it, it can vary for every team. I mean, there are definitely teams that, that can, you know, that can have good offense that, operates out of the post um there just isn't a ton of them yeah there's just not enough guys i mean you said at the beginning porzingis posting up is is actually absolutely terrible you know for and 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 it's a win for the defense anytime he does whether he scores or not like if the rockets are going to try to i'm sorry if the Mavs are going to constantly try to post him up you should win that game this has been bothering me for a while and i do need to pivot here a little bit because something has been running through my head the past month and a half about the milwaukee bucks and their minutes, uh, the the minutes they play, guys, is is beginning to worry me here. We talk about how great Giannis is only do, is doing all of this with just th- in thirty minutes per game, and and it's amazing and all that. Is there a concern with you guys that when the minutes go up, he's going to start to wear down because he hasn't had to play? I think I looked at it; he only played like thirty eight minutes once in the past month. Like, is there you know in the playoffs he's going to have bigger loads harder harder games and a and a 38 minute playoff game is like a 45 minute regular season game with just the intensity and how it feels is there like should the bucks begin to try to like ramp that up a little bit with his minutes just to kind of get his body ready to move forward in the sense of like when the playoffs come and he's got to play a larger role and it's not just him everybody on the team everybody yeah he's actually he's averaging the most minutes on the team at just under 31 minutes yeah, and, and and that's my concern, like the whole team, like, yeah. you know, it's, it's 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 one of those things I look at where it's like he's phenomenal in those 30 minutes. But, you know, if you try to stretch him to 40 all of a sudden one time, that's fine. But if he's got to do it, he's got to play 40 minutes 
a game for five games over ten days. Like, can his body hold up? Seth, so is this now? First. Is this now going to be a weekly segment where we concern troll the Bucks? Because that's that's fun for me. Uh, I I did it. I wasn't on last week's. So I don't know. If, uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I had my concerns. You, I wasn't on the pod, so I had. To, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. So the, really, there's there's uh, there's two there's sort of two aspects to what you're talking about there, and I think they're both kind of in in broad terms are both legitimate questions. One is sort of the uh, almost I want to say that you would describe it as the conditioning aspect, right? Okay, he's used to playing 31. We need him to play 40. Is, is that just just ramping that up right away? Is that too much of a shock to the system? That's one aspect of it. The second aspect of it is like how much of the okay, there's there's a lot is always made of like per minute, yada, yada, yada. Can the same in two way intensity be sustained? Conditioning or no for anybody over at playoff intensity for a higher amount. And what does that do to the team if, you know, all right, need you to play 40 now. Does that mean that the 20 of those minutes that are on defense aren't at the same level as the 15 minutes on defense now? And those, I think, are two different but interesting and important questions. I get what you're saying. You're you're basically asking, is it better to have – 30 hardcore minutes at your peak or 40 minutes that are like 80% of your peak. And yeah. I, w- I would say that the 30 minutes at, at peak is probably more impactful, and especially when you look at what they've done this year and how, I mean, th- they have the best net rating in the league by a lot because they're putting teams away early. And I mean, I, I to most point, I understand. Um, I don't know if it's going to matter for this team uh, until maybe May. Because I don't think in the first round we're going to see Giannis playing 40 minutes. I don't think he's going to have to. Uh, I, I, like, yeah, no, Orlando no, Magic is just not going to bug him. So they've got time. Um, you know, the, the Spurs used to do this, where they would ramp up guys' minutes and they start shorten the rotation. I'm much more worried about the rotational effects of added minutes, where you're going to get guys who, you know, they're used to playing, you know, uh, Kyle Korver is playing like 16 minutes a game. Well, in the playoffs, is that going to cut down to 12? And how does that affect him? Probably not him so much because he's, you know, he's been in the league a long time. But, you know, are we going to see Dante DiVincenzo playing fewer minutes because they're going to get more minutes from the starters? Well, and how happens, is that going to affect these guys? That happens in the playoffs. I mean, you can look and see. Right, but it's how a rhythm sport. Play. I mean, basketball is a rhythm no, but sport. No, you, but it's, you, you can look and see, okay, teams play, you know, they play. Seven, like eight, nine, ten guys in the regular season, and then as you get in the first round of the playoffs, it becomes instead of you know nine, ten, it becomes eight, nine, and then the second round it becomes seven, eight, and then you know by the finals you're playing six or seven guys, if assuming you get there. So that's you know that that sort of is what it is, and that's a big part of why you know it's it's sort of one of those things that's repeated a lot when when you know you're looking at a team that has. Uh, just in general, looking at teams that that have good regular seasons because they they have a depth of talent and aren't giving minutes to bad players, it's like okay, well, the fact that you have the best eleventh man in the league doesn't matter anymore because right. he, you know, he he's 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 not involved. He he is no longer you know irrelevant uh, to the outcome of the series because we're 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 you know it's it's we're we're top seven on seven now. Um, so that's just you know that that just is like I don't think that's a. Is that a particular concern for the Bucks? I don't know. Um, no, but I mean, like, by the way, but, by the way, I just looked, and last year's playoffs, uh, Giannis wound up playing an extra minute and a half in the playoffs 
No, no, but, but, but look at look at what season. he did. Look at it after but, the Detroit series. No, after look at look at look at the Toronto series. No, no, but look at I'm yeah. I'm serious. Just look at the Toronto yeah. series because he looked tired at times in that series, and that was when he was getting pushed minutes wise, and that's when he had to play longer minutes at a higher level. And it's and that's kind of my point. Like you're right. Like first round, it's not going to matter. He's going to play 30 minutes in those games or whatever. But it's when it gets harder in those situations. And Seth's right. Your rotation shortens and things like that and all of that matters. But so much is dependent on Giannis in that offense, right? Like that's that's the engine that makes this thing go. And if he's worn down, if, he, if he's wearing down during that series, so let's assume it gets, if, if they sweep, it doesn't matter, right? Like he'll be fine. But if they didn't, don't sweep, if it gets pushed six, seven games, that's when those effects happen. And I'm just, my mindset is I look at it going like you should, you don't have to play him crazy minutes all season, but like you might want to ramp him up at this point, you know, to to the degree where like these are going to be closer to your playoff minutes. It doesn't have to be 38, 40 minutes a night, but get him closer to like 35, 36. I mean, now at 30, it's, it's, it's a far jump to go there, you know, when when he, he, he doesn't have to do it in the first round, doesn't really do it in the second round, and then has to explode to do it in the, the conference finals and then the finals, that's going to be hard on him. And that's that's something that's a problem. So I guess the, the, the question is, is the cumulative effect of playing more minutes, is that worse than not being, let's say, properly conditioned, even though clearly the guy is, you know, an incredible and you know conditioned athlete um but is not you know what's worse i i i don't know that there's any way for us to know that's the hardest thing like i don't yeah. know like if if seth if you guys did a thing where you you kept stats of what the guy did in his first 10 minutes or, or in his first stint versus his second stint versus his third stint and how long those are like maybe there's a, a value in that maybe there's a stat out there but it's just the more i think about it i just kind of look at it going like man, like his body's conditioned one way and it's okay to turn it up every now and then, but like, what's it going to be like when he's got to, if he has to go that way for a week and a half or two weeks, like that's where I begin to wonder. No, it's a, it's again, it's a, it's an, it's a perfectly legitimate question. I'll say that, you know, it, minutes is the wrong sort of, you know, proxy for exertion. Uh, so it's 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 hard to really get at that with information we have access to, uh, because obviously they're not all minutes are created equal, and you can do find better ways of kind of getting at that. But no, those are those are um, th- those are legitimate questions, and that's you know the whole the uh, I have a you know kind of a discussion with uh, Hollinger coming out soon, and, and we're kind of talking about where some of the advan- the advances in analytics have been. And that's um, sort of the intersection between the sports science performance and the statistical analysis is there hasn't been a ton done there yet. And that's a really interesting question about, you know, okay, what does your effectiveness look like under these conditions? And is there some way to mitigate that or to improve that or something like that? And, you know, to the best of my knowledge, the answer is a giant question mark. So... It's a, it's a it's a good question that I don't have an answer for you, Mo. I guess I, I Seth, you're useless for me then. I'm, I'm just I see. Kidding. I think I actually. So I, you know, I was just thinking to myself like this. This actually is a great thought exercise, but it's one that we are likely to never have a good answer for ever. Right. Because it's just there's so many 
unknown unknowns you know well um, there's too many factors to measure and and even with, i'll push with, back on that a little bit okay i think we in the public will probably not have a good sense sure of it. i think that yeah. i think like it's never going to be solved because of all those those different factors but i think that you can start to you know the teams are spending a lot of time and money on you know biometric stuff mm -hmm. and you can start to approach to have some estimates of some of these things um you can't solve them you're kind of you're you're i don't want it, to it's it, they're estimates and inferences and stuff like that but they're not they're no longer wild ass guesses right I'm saying. right I, I dare say if you asked bud this question i think it's a good question um he'll bite your if head you, off if you ask this question well, but. well okay but but if he if you asked him let's say off the record and in private in a place where he might answer that he would probably say he would rather have guys rested and fresh going into the playoffs versus, you know, ready to play an extra seven minutes a game. I mean, that's so just like, my guess. Like the way I kind of look at it, this, this would be my ideal scenario. Cause I think it is important to ramp them up, but I would probably do it in March, you know, in, in the first week of e April, then give their body a chance to recover before the, before the first week of the playoffs and then start and then slowly start the ramping around for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you can, I mean, you could slowly start ramping up again from the first round on, right? Like I'm talking about, like that, that last week, may you know maybe rest them a game, you know, and 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 all together not play, and then that first round ramp them up, you know, kind it, of begin to get, build that back up a little bit. That would be that would be my thought of how I would do it. Obviously, if I didn't have to like win every game to get in the playoffs or seeding or anything like that, if I had that luxury, that's a, that's a way I think I'd probably think of doing it. Are you saying you wouldn't load manage in the, in the first round of the playoffs? I mean, he's I, I mean, need to and play I mean, like thirty minutes, to like rest Orlando. the game. Like, would you rest? No, Giannis no. in game two, and maybe no. Chris Middleton in game three. No, that's Come interesting. On, I mean, Come on, Dave. I don't know. That's it's interesting. That's, Come on, Dave. No, no, it's not interesting. It's stupid. <laughs> that's gal that's <laughs> galaxy. That's galaxy brain. No, no, no. Um, that's that's going. That's, that's clearly the Bucks could do that against the Orlando brain. Magic. It's definitely not going to happen. Because uh, like all right. you could easily because you you resting a guy puts more minutes on other guys. Oh yeah, and, but okay, also so, there's so, the chemistry so, stuff too. So you but you rest you rest uh, Middleton a game, and now Giannis has to do more. Great, and then you know Giannis gets hurt because he had to play uh, carry a heavier load or whatever. Then you're then you're like ah oh, crap, what did we just do? Like you just just playoffs you play plain and simple. That's not a time to load manage. All right, guys, uh, what are you looking forward to the next week? Got Lakers Sloan? Clippers coming up. We got Sloan. Yeah. Okay. You guys got Sloan. I got Milwaukee coming into town to play the Lakers. Then I got Lakers Clippers. Like I got a nice set of games coming up here this weekend that I'm uh, pretty excited to watch. I, I can't wait for you to ask Bud how he feels about Giannis and his minutes. Oh, if if first off. Bud and I go back to the San Antonio days, so if I have a chance, I will ask him privately. But it won't be uh, uh, if the opportunity prevents itself, I'll do it, and 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 he won't bite my head off. But I'll, I'll if the opportunity presents itself, I would definitely ask Bud. But uh, definitely not doing it in the scrum. Though. I'm not letting that get because that's where he might bite my head off, and I end up <laughs> end up a viral moment. <laughs> just just to prove a point. All right, uh, that's gonna do it for this week's show. Uh, Seth and I are gonna be back in a couple of days with some special stuff from Sloan. And then we'll be back with our regular show at some time next week. Uh, you guys have a good week and uh, thanks for listening.
Wash your hands. Nerds.